You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mariners Team Store at the Bellevue Square Mall in Bellevue, Washington. Welcome to our first edition of Hot Stove, a chance to talk about uh, a lot to talk about here in Mariners Baseball with you tonight. We were on for the next uh, two hours live from the Mariners Team Store. Everybody getting ready for the holiday season, doing their Christmas shopping. It's uh, exciting here right now. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Riz. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, this spring to see a lot of new faces here. Our special guests, uh, as always, are on radio and television. Mike Blowers is with us tonight. Shannon Dreyer on uh, our radio broadcast and also Gary Hill as well. So, guys, are you ready for the holiday season? Mike, you getting your Christmas shopping done? I'm at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too early in the year for the cast of thousands, Ricky? Uh, yeah, the cheering cast of thousands. Yeah. Uh, where are they? Uh, they're, shopping. They're coming in and shopping right now. Yeah, but, was Nicole uh, shopping? I know that this is a big night for her usually. Uh, she's out and about. Okay. Yeah. And you already saw Bo. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, saw Bo here. Shannon, how about you? You ready for uh, Christmas? Oh, no. no? <laughs> kind of been busy with some baseball stuff lately, right? I know you have been. You have been. We're going to be talking about that. And Gary, how about you and your wonderful family? I'm getting there. Getting there? Yeah, yeah. 50% of the way, almost getting ready for Santa Claus? Uh, no, not even close to no. 50%. No. <laughs> no. Got a ways to go. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, uh, there's a, a lot of shopping going on right now in Major League Baseball. Jerry Depoto has been, uh, as always, the busiest general manager in the game of baseball. He's made about nine or ten trades involving over 20 different players. And uh, Mike and Shannon and Gary, the Mariners, are definitely going to have a a different look, and we're going to be visiting with uh, one of the new faces on this ball club. He was a Mariner a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago. For, for how long? What was it, 77 minutes? Something like that. Mariners got him from uh, Atlanta, turned around, traded Malik Smith away to the Tampa Bay, raising the deal for Drew Smiley. And he had a heck of a year last year, his first full year uh, in the big leagues, and hit around 290, stole 40 bases. Hit seven home runs, drove in about 74 runs. He's going to be excited. He covers was, a lot of ground. Covers a lot of ground. And uh, he was on with uh, Danny Dave and more uh, not too long ago. And the guy is hilarious talking about why he chose to wear number zero. But he's going to be a great addition to this ball club. Malik Smith is going to be our first guest tonight. We're going to visit with assistant GM Justin Hollander in the uh, second half hour of the first hour of the show tonight. Uh, a lot to talk about with Justin. First of all, Jerry DePoto wound up in the hospital a few days ago down in Las Vegas. Justin with, was with him, right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, he yeah, was there. He was there, yeah. Yeah, and to tell you uh, about Jerry and his dedication, while he was in the hospital, he pulled off that deal, <laughs> that three-way deal between the Mariners, the Cleveland Indians, and the Tampa Bay That's really Rays. not a surprise, is it? No, no. I'm not surprised at all. But uh, the good news is that uh, Jerry is out of the hospital yeah. on his way home to Seattle, blood clots in his lung. That's a very scary situation. But I understand from this hospital bed he pulled off that uh, trade, but that doesn't surprise you, does it, guys? No, I knew at some point that we were going to see him. He made so many trades early, and I said, it's not over. Somebody lamented that, well, he would have traded for everybody. By December, there'll be nothing else. I'm like, ah, he'll start trading some of the players he already acquired. That happened, and he pulled off a trade not only from the hospital bed, but during the Rule 5 draft. That's right. They picked up uh, Brennan, mm-hmm. uh, and so, wow, we're going to have a lot of new faces, Gary, on this ball club, a chance to get down to spring training and 
and uh, see what the Mariners have. But I, I, I love the addition of Smith and the young players the Mariners acquired from the Yankees, the Phillies, and the Rays in those deals uh, from Mike Zanino and Paxton and also Gene Segura, Cano, and Diaz as well. Yeah, no question about that. Different look in spring training, that's for sure. A lot of new talent, a lot of young guys. It is going to be very interesting coming up this spring. I think the thing for me so far this winter, and we've talked a lot about Jerry, and we'll talk about Jerry some more, but I, I think that it, it's it's one of those things where it's it's rare. It certainly has been for us uh, with as the Mariners, but just making a decision in a direction you're going to go yeah. right. and, and seeing and it immediately it. and staying with it the entire way. I think it'll be – we're not even close to what we're going to see in spring training, and I'm curious what that is going to be and, and just the direction that everything is going. The main thing, though, is you mentioned some of the younger players they picked up. They had to get some talent in the farm system, and that's what they're trying to do right now. And, Shannon, I think the Mariners went from wherever you want to put them uh, a couple of months ago as far as rating the, the farm system 28th, 29th, or 30th or whatever, depending upon what – publication you were looking at or reading to probably in the top 10 right now with the additions from those other organizations. I think they're definitely in the top half right now, and they're not done yet. They could add to that. They also picked up a compensation pick in the last trade that yeah. they made. So mm -hmm. they've got four picks in the first 100, so they're gaining players that way. And, Rick, what I did to try and visualize it a little bit better is I went back and I looked up the top 10 uh, from 2016, the top 10 from 2017, 2018, and then the top 10 at the end of September, and then put what it was after all of the latest trades, and it is so dramatically different. If you look at what's projected to be their top 10 prospects, the first six are all first-rounders, and yeah. the seventh is Julio Rodriguez, who you're going to hear a yeah. lot about, who's uh, everybody's very excited for one of the top international picks. So, you know, not only did they bump some other talented players off of the list but that's very solid at the top right there exactly and you know we've been talking about a couple of guys in our organization that they did draft evan white and also uh kyle lewis unfortunately kyle a few years ago had that severe knee injury a sliding in home plate playing for the uh everett ball club but uh there's a couple of kids that we've been watching our on our own for the last couple of years but i can't wait to see a justice sheffield mm -hmm. and Fraley coming over in that deal. J.P. Crawford, who's really going to get an opportunity, a young shortstop from the Philadelphia Phillies for Gene Segura. And we talked about it uh, a lot, uh, especially off the air last year, about, you know, the Mariners, and they, they talked about it before, these moves kind of being in between at, at the end of the season. And well, the way I look at this is, you know, it, it's not easy to see James Paxson go and Edwin Diaz go and right. guys like that that we enjoyed watching plays, certainly. But it feels like this is an opportunity to trade maybe a year contending for the postseason. You hope, hopefully open up a championship window for four, five, six years. The same, same kind of thing the Houston Astros did. And exactly. this is how you do it with all the, the, all the young talent. And the same thing. It was funny. We heard from Scott Service down in the winter meetings. We've been talking so much about the teams that have done it recently in the Astros and the mm -hmm. Cubs and Milwaukee. Brewers a little bit. Yeah. But how about the Rangers and the way that they did it? And Scott Service was part of that development group when that happened. So he's seen it, and they turned it around quickly. They turned it around from uh, 10 years where they had eight finishes of fourth, pl third or place or worse to two years away from the World Series, two World Series appearances when they went right. out, made the big mark to share a trade, got some extra draft picks, and, and moved on. I think the thing that will be interesting is, is you – you mentioned a lot of the players that are coming over and a number of them going to get an opportunity going into spring training. Uh, Crawford, somebody I really want to see play. But Shannon, through all this, and you, you're the one that mentioned it, is, is 
I mean, I think this is going to be the toughest part for any organization to deal with, and that is the draft. Because when you have a lot of picks and they're high picks, and you're talking about turning things around, and you mentioned Houston, you have to hit on those. Yeah. And I think that is going to be the critical part to all of this because I also yeah. think it's the most difficult. Yeah, that's how you really build an organization. You start off there and take a look at what Houston did with their number one picks. Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, George Springer. Altuve was a free agent out of Venezuela. When you have a core like that, you know, that's, that's how you build your ball club. The Yankees did that many years ago with uh, the young players they had, you know, coming up through the organization, Mike, that you saw, and, and Shannon and Gary, uh, Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit and Bernie Williams yeah. and Mariano Rivera, and they built around that core. There was a time in 1995 the Mariners almost acquired Mariano Rivera in a trade. Gene Stick Michael said, no, we can't give up on this kid, so he ended up staying in New York, and it paid off. But, he but could have you gone have to hit the, the Hall draft. of Fame as a Mariner with Edgar. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> nice, and, Shannon. And, and, and later on, that brings us to a great point, Shannon. I'm glad you brought that up because later on, uh, we're going to hear a piece that Gary put together on Edgar Martinez and his great chance of getting in the Hall of Fame. He's going to get in. I think in the early votes that have come in, he's on 100% of the ballots, over 29% of the ballots or 28%. Of, but anyway, his percentage is really high, I think, early. He's going to get in. And uh, Lou Pinello was one vote shy of getting in from today's era committee. He needed 12 votes. He got 11. And that would have been something to have Lou in there, Mike. You played for the guy. Yeah, deserving, I think, when you consider everything he's done in his t entire career of baseball and the impact that he has had. Yeah. I, I think that he's, he's deserving. That would be something. Well, I tell you what, this is our first edition live from uh, the Mariners team store here in Bellevue at the Bellevue Square Mall. And uh, we're going to be here for the next couple of hours. Stick around. We'll be back with more after this timeout. And again, welcome back to the Bellevue Square Mall from the Mariners team store. Hot stove baseball coming your way, our first edition as we get ready for the holiday season. Rick Riz along with Mike Blower, Shannon Dreyer, alongside uh, Gary Hill. And our very special first guest on Hot Stove is a young man who's going to patrol center field for the ball club this year, just recently acquired by the Mariners from the Tampa Bay Rays, as we talked about earlier, Malik Smith was a Mariner for about 70 minutes or so a few years ago, traded away to Tampa Bay after the Mariners got him from Atlanta. Malik, welcome to the show tonight. It's great to have you in a Mariners uniform. Uh, happy holiday season. How's everything going? Uh, hello, everybody. Everything's going good over here. I'm actually sitting around watching. What are we watching, Mom? HGTV. <laughs> Well, apparently, it's uh, about houses, you know, getting built and whatnot, and you know, remodeling and selling. So I'm just sitting here with my family. My my sister just took my nephew away. Uh, I guess you don't want to make no noise, but me, my dog, my mom, my dad, I'm just having a good old time watching TV doing? right now. How y'all doing? Uh, we're doing great. We're getting ready for Christmas. Tell your mom we said hello. Well, tell me a little bit about how does it feel to be a Seattle Mariner after you were Mariner for a few minutes uh, a few years ago, and now if it's official, you're going to be here for hopefully a long time. Well, it feels good to be back home, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. No, seriously, I'm, I'm excited about coming there. Um, I get to uh, visit a completely different part of the country, and, and I, I would like to make it home, you know. I would like to... Uh, make my name a household name in the city, as well as, you know, get familiar with uh, each and every person that, that is around the area and just, you know, just enjoy the, the city of Seattle. 
Alex, I, I'm glad that you're watching TV and watching houses being built and remodeled because you come up here after hitting 290 last year with 40 stolen bases. You're going to have to do some of that yourself when you get to Seattle. Hey, hey, now. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, one day, you know, we make it down that that road. Shoot, I, I, right now, I need to find somewhere to stay. Any suggestions? Any anybody got some nice yeah. areas for me? Yeah, cool. uh, that would be on east side. Uh, yeah. Affordable, but yet uh, nice <laughs> to stay in. Absolutely. We've got a lot of great uh, suggestions for you in Bellevue here or mm -hmm. Issaquah. But uh, we, we plan on having you here for a long time, so you'll find something. Now, for sure. What's it gonna, I, I absolutely love um, you have, um, you have some, some nice jewelry, and uh, you have a, a very <laughs> prominent necklace that, that we've seen with, with the state of Florida on it. What's it going to take to change that to a space needle? <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, I'm coming to play for Seattle. Seattle is my employer, and um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a Floridian. I was born in Florida. I was raised in Florida. And it's just a representation of where I'm from, who I am. So with that said, uh, I don't think there'd be much to change that. <laughs> Malik, you know, you, you stole Home 40 bases last year. Did you have the green light when you were in Tampa? Run whenever you wanted to? Not exactly. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious because in today's game, we talk a lot about it. And, you know, everybody trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, and, and the type of game that you're going to bring and the people are going to enjoy watching is a little bit different than what you see normally because of the speed that you have. And uh, for me, towards the end of my career, I was fortunate where I had a chance to play with one of the best in Ricky Henderson. And I was thinking about you today when I saw the 40, and Ricky, of course, could steal 100. Do you think anybody will ever do that again? I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to be willing and ready every day when you show up to the field. Uh, to start off, you have to get on base more than average. Um, I think being on base half, half the time, you come up the bat will be – a big part of that, you need opportunities to steal every time you get on. Doesn't mean that you'll have somebody, there won't be somebody in front of you. You know, every hit that you get won't be a single. Um, so just being on base uh, more times than not will play a big part in that. And then actually having desire and, and, and keeping your body in, in such great health that every day when you show up, you feel capable to take off and run in that manner. Um, and then it could be very much possible, but it would be a tall feat, to say the least. Visiting with Malik Smith. Uh, Malik, your, your personality really comes through the radio. I, I recently heard you on an interview with Danny David Moore, and uh, you, you had a lot of fun with these guys. And uh, tell us a little bit about why you wear the number zero. I, I believe there's actually... Two reasons why, right? <laughs> One, one's PC and one's maybe not so much, but tell the fans right, right, story right. Again. You know, yeah. uh, well, uh, I'm sitting here in front of my parents. So, you know, last interview, I wasn't in front of my parents. So yeah, I'm going to keep it PG this time. But okay. this is, uh, the number zero came um, purely for the f uh, fact of the matter that, um, uh, you know, you grow up and you have a lot of naysayers. Um, not everybody, but most do. And, um, in the sense that 
you know, your negative your negative comments or, or the things that you think that I'm not or can't be, um, it doesn't bother me. You know, it means nothing to me uh, what you think of me in a negative manner. You know, it means absolutely nothing to me um, what you say that isn't anything positive about me or anybody else, honestly. So, but just keeping it to myself, you know, zero comes from the fact that I, I couldn't care less if you don't believe in me or you have no faith in my ability um, or what I'm bringing to the table, you know. And when I when I step out in the field, you'll feel that. I'll come with nothing but pure energy and, and a dedication to not necessarily prove everybody wrong, but just prove myself right. Alex, that's something I imagine has really helped you out on the baseball field. And when you make your debut in 16 and you get some decent playing time in 17 and then in 18, you get a full season. What are the things that you are glad to have behind you? And, and where do you start this year with all of that experience already? Um, so things that I can say that I'm happy to have behind me, um, it's crazy because I was just talking to my parents about it not too long ago. Well, uh, a sense of uh, uh, being satisfied. I was going to say satisfaction, but I don't even know if that's a word, so I didn't want to be making up words on the radio. It uh, is now, buddy. If you want to use that, that's fine with us. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, a sense of that I made it. I know when I was with Atlanta, I had some accolades coming up through the minor leagues, leading into my entry into the into the major leagues, and it and it carried into my play. You know, I was I was a little bit uh, cocky uh, amongst myself. I wasn't outwardly cocky, but inwardly I was, and and I lacked in in the in the effort and the dedication level. And and then when I got traded to. Um, which I really, honestly, that and and just a lack of dedication and, and really being on time and things like that, um, it led to me being traded. You know, I was I was more of a uh, headache than uh, uh, a bonus to the team, and then I got traded to the Rays. And in that in that sense, you know, uh, I still had that sense of arrogance. I still felt like I was owed a position, and you know, the Rays showed me that I really wasn't owed anything, but instead of taking it in that manner, you know, I, I took it uh, more of like, I can't believe they're doing this to me. You know, and I'm speaking in the sense of maybe getting sent back down to the minor leagues, not feeling like I belong there. When in actuality, I had done nothing in the major leagues to show that I belong to be there. So how dare I feel like I was owed anything, you know? And then coming into this year, um, not necessarily with the same arrogance, but feeling like, you know, I was going to be giving a just the opportunity off the bat um, to play every day. Uh, it, it, it just wasn't that. It wasn't that way, and I literally I had to go earn it. And I'm happy I did. You know, I, I started off the season. I, I didn't play the opening game. I didn't play in the opening game, opening day. You know, I sat the bench, and then I this is the very next day I was on the bench. It was two lefties pitching, uh, Chris Sale and. Um, I think it was Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know. Maybe not. But it was two lefties, to say the least. And I wasn't starting, you know. And, and I felt some type of way about that. But in that in that same light, you know, I was able to understand that uh, I, I wasn't – I hadn't deserved 
to be anywhere. I only had hit 270 in the major leagues in my two prior seasons. That was the highest I've done. That was the best I had done. And that is what, average? That's average. You know, you can't be feeling like you deserve anything when you're just average. So uh, in, in that light, I mean, just really, like, understanding where I was, you know, I, I just tried to prepare every day, you know, every single day and be ready for my opportunity. And um, you know what's crazy? I'll, I'll take you a little bit deeper. Uh, we played the Red Sox this year. It was April. It was cold. I wasn't starting. Um, and I was a little bit frustrated. It it was – and then I ended up finally getting into the game. And because I was so frustrated about not starting, my performance when I got in the game was less than mediocre. And it ended up causing us to lose the game. Now, you could say that it, it didn't. Uh, that Red Sox team was, you know, the World Series champs, and they were going to win that game regardless. But I know personally that I could have done a few things differently that would have kept the game in hand for us. And I went back home up to my apartment, and I got to talk to Sergio Romo. And he was talking to me about how he felt that even when the game was out of hand, he should have been in the game before it got close because it was time to put them away. And hearing him talk and, and hearing his mindset about how he should have been in the game where we were up by five, you know, because the game was almost over and he wanted to be the close and he wanted to finish, you know, it helped change my mindset about a few things and, and, and it helped me understand that I was going about my business all wrong. So when you say things that, I'm happy to have behind me. I'm happy to have that mindset of I'm old or I'm deserved to be anywhere or on the field, you know. So I feel like I've, I've gained maturity in that in that area. And now I'm in a, a light that, you know, nothing is given. I'm old nothing. But I have the opportunity to go out and fight for everything that I get. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that the Mariners have seen fit to put me in a position where I get to go and fight for my center field job and fight to be the leadoff man and fight to uh, help a team get to the playoff. So, you know, I'm taking that that, uh, role and that responsibility with arms wide open, and that's what I'm excited about, and that's what I'm looking forward to moving on into this 2019 season. Well, young man, I tell you what, just by talking with you over the last 10 minutes, I love your attitude. I love the numbers that I see on paper. We're going to love watching you play the 296 average last year. And the other fact is you're a heck of a talker. You're going to do great on pregame shows and postgame shows. And uh, we're happy to have you here in Seattle. And buy your mom something really nice for Christmas. And <laughs> we want to thank you for being on our show tonight. Okay, Malik? No problem. All right. You Merry Christmas, good, buddy. Good night. All Merry right. Christmas. Thanks for being with us. I'll, Oh, Happy New Year to you, too. Merry Christmas. Malik Smith, our first guest, New Mariners center fielder. Folks, you're going to love watching this guy play. We're going to be back with more from Hot Stove Live from the Mariners team store here at Bellevue Square right after this. And again, welcome back to the Mariners team store. We are live here at Bellevue Square. Rick Riz along with Mike Blower, Shannon Dreher, alongside uh, Gary Hill. Uh, great to visit with uh, one of the newest Mariners, center fielder Malik Smith. Uh, thanks to Malik's for coming on the show. Time now for our Mariners trivia question for the night. We're going to give away an authentic collection on-field knit, and uh, you got to call in to win. And here's the question. Who had the 10th best on-base percentage 
in the American League last year. The 10th, Gary Hill, good question. <laughs> the 10th best on-base percentage in the American League last year. Call right now at one 3776 or 206-421-3776. So who had the 10th best on-base percentage in the American League last year it may seem oh, random no. but but it's not no no think about yeah. stuff and uh, right. you can come up an with easy the interview too yeah. <laughs> oh come on hurry up call in right away that's a gift way to go mike there you go mike is playing santa claus Just trying to help out <laughs> hurry up call 1-866-979-3776 or 206-421-3776 and uh, it could be the guy we talked to it could be anyway uh welcome back to the show Rick, Mike, Shannon, and uh, Gary Hill, and a cheering cast of thousands here at the Mariners team store. Our special guest right now is uh, Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander, one of the busiest baseball executives uh, in the game right now, along with Jerry Depoto. And Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're back home from Vegas, where it was very busy over the past uh, week. Uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks, Riz. Appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great. We're getting ready for Christmas and the holiday season. You guys have been doing a lot of shopping, but the first question is how is Jerry DePoto wound up in the hospital a few days ago with, what was it, blood clots in his lungs? How's Jerry doing? He's doing much better. I, uh, I talked to him about 5 o'clock tonight for a while. He sounds very good. He's at home now, so uh, we're all very, very happy he's home and feeling better. That uh, that deal, the three-way deal between the Mariners, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay from his hospital bed, alongside you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I've never been part of anything like that. It was that was a first for me. Wow. Well, I'm glad he's doing well, buddy. Me too. Me too. Everybody is. It was like a receiving line the last few days of the winter meetings with everyone worried about him. So uh, it's great that he's back home, and uh, his wife Tammy flew in and flew back with him. So uh, we're all we're all thrilled that he's on the mend. Justin, obviously very busy, and, and you have a number of players, young players, that have come into the organization. Um, one of them that I'm really interested in, and because there just happens to be an open spot there, is J.P. Crawford. And can you tell us a little bit about J.P. and what you expect from him going into spring training this year? Sure. Uh, J.P. was a first-round draft pick by the Phillies. Uh, has always been a well-regarded prospect from when he was in high school to every level of the minor leagues. Uh, made his debut with Philadelphia, his first full-season debut last year. Uh, <clears throat> struggled at times, dealt, uh, dealt with some injuries that really had a hard time connecting a season together. Just when you get back healthy, you know, something else would happen and you'd end up on the DL and just kind of lost momentum in a season. Uh, we really like JP. We like what he brings to the table, really controls the strike zone, gets on base, will take a walk, has a good at bat, a really, really consistent approach. Uh, defensively, he's a very good athlete, uh, excellent defender at multiple positions. Uh, we think long term he's our he's our shortstop of the future. So uh, we're excited to have him. Uh, in terms of what we can expect, we think we can expect a, just a good all around player. Justin, this obviously has been a very interesting off season, and I, I think all the way back to the after the season press conference, and Jerry and Scott were up at the table, and and Jerry said, you know, we could go in a few different directions, and it was the first time since he's been here that it wasn't we're going to do this, this, and this. He said we need to take a step back and evaluate. And then, of course, uh, we saw the direction that you went in. We, we understand the reasons why for the long-term sustainability. But when you start making the deals, uh, it, it seems that sometimes, uh, especially early on, deals that are made by Jerry and, and by your group are, are very targeted. 
how do you determine which domino needs to fall first and, and what your needs are that you specifically want to go after? Uh, you know, I think the market kind of dictates what deal goes first. Um, I just happened to be that the, the two players that got hit on earliest were, were uh, Z and, and Pax. Um, we didn't really have an order of operations needed to happen um, or really a specific, you know, this player must be traded or that player must not be traded. Uh, I think Jerry laid out pretty clearly that our preference was not to trade Edwin Diaz unless we got an offer we couldn't refuse. Um, we felt like we got an offer we couldn't refuse. But outside of that, we, we just had open listening ears to what the market dictated. And when the market dictated that we got enough value, uh, we, we went that direction. It, it's definitely the first time, and I've worked with Jerry for a number of years in Anaheim and now in Seattle, first time that I've ever heard him say well, we need to take a step back as opposed to, to full throttle making this year's team the best it possibly can be. Um, but uh, it, it's been refreshing and fun in a lot of ways, and we think we're doing the right thing long-term for the organization. So no specific order or target. It just happened to be that the market dictated that that was the order of, of which things went. Visiting with Justin Hollander, Mariners' assistant general manager. And, uh, Justin, we just got off the phone with uh, Malik Smith. And I tell you what, this kid has an infectious personality. Uh, you can see the smile coming across through the radio on this kid. He's got a lot of energy. And he put up great numbers last year with Tampa Bay. 296, a couple of home runs, 40 RBI, stole 40 bases. Last couple of years, overall hit 277. Tell us what you're going to see. Tell us what fans will see and what this young man brings to the to the ball club uh, come spring training. I think, you know, even after trading with uh, trading for Malik the second time, uh, we, we, we had tried to acquire Malik um, over the last year again. Uh, and finally, we were able to work something out that made sense. We came fairly close at the trade deadline last year to acquiring him and, and just couldn't make it work. Um, and I think what fans will see is energy, um, on-base ability, base running skills, defense, speed, um, all the things that you've seen from him in his, his major league career so far is two-plus years of service. Uh, I think he's going to bring it every night to the table. I, I, we had done some background on him over the years, obviously, uh, and everyone who's been around him just describes the, this special magnetic personality and, and that he brings every day to the park. So we're really looking forward to, to Malik the player and also Malik the person uh, as part of our organization. Absolutely. Justin, we have a lot more to talk about. We're going to keep you here for the next few minutes, but right now we're going to take a break. We are live from the Mariners team store here at Bellevue Square. Rick Riz along with Mike Blower, Shannon Dreyer alongside uh, Gary Hill. Don't go away. We'll be back with more with Justin Hollander right after this timeout. Hey, friends, this holiday season, stop by the Mariners team store where we are right now for the largest selection of exclusive Mariners apparel and game use memorabilia with five convenient locations, including the flagship store at the ballpark, downtown Seattle at 4th and Stewart, Bellevue Square. We're here tonight. Aldewood Mall and Westfield South Center. You're sure to find something for everyone on your list. And also this reminder, it's, it's a, yeah, I'm looking for Edgar to get into the Hall of Fame this year, and it looks like he's going to make it. Help welcome Edgar Martinez to the Hall of Fame this summer in person. You can sign up for the Mariners' RBI Club trip to Cooperstown, an unforgettable weekend event July 18th through the 22nd. That includes transportation, lodging, tickets to the ceremony, and more. For details, go to edgarroadtrip.com, but hurry, space is limited. And, uh, man, Edgar's got to get in here in the 10th year on the ballot. Visiting with uh, Mariners' assistant general manager, Justin Hollander. Justin, uh, welcome to the show here in the first uh, hour of two, live from the uh, Mariners' team store. Uh, you guys have been so busy. Zunino traded away, Paxton, Cano, Diaz, Segura, Pazos, Nicasio. What's next for this ball club uh, as you get ready for spring training, Justin? I, I hope a nap. 
<laughs> I'm really tired. Um, I, uh, I don't think there's anything specific on the agenda. We do need to add to our bullpen a little bit, uh, and whether that's through trade or free agency, um, it does, that's definitely going to happen at some point as we, uh, as we get through this offseason. Um, and I think we'd like to have a, a veteran shortstop to pair with JP, someone to, to give him uh, just a little veteran certainty and mentoring. Uh, around and make sure that uh, he's ready to go uh, in the big leagues when, when we call him up. So that's, that's kind of the, the shopping list. Maybe at some point a right-handed hitting outfielder um, to go with Bruce and Gamble and Malik uh, and, of course, Mitch in right field. So uh, those are sort of the general shopping plans. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be patient on those things. I know that's really not in our, our nature, uh, but we are going to be patient, uh, let Jerry mend up a little bit, hopefully, and uh, see where the rest of the winter takes us. Justin, your description of J.P. Crawford and his skill set, also Malik Smith, I mean, the thing they have in common is they get on base a lot. How important are you – how much is that a target right now when you look at the on-base skill set? Very, very much, and that's you know, Omar Narvaez as well, uh, who we acquired from the White Sox for Alex Colme, uh, one of the, the best on-base uh, catchers in the American League last year. Um, we're, we're trying to, to build a platform. You know, we've talked a lot about stepping back, but when we when we are ready to contend again in a year, 18 months, uh, we want to have a platform of playing the game the right way, and we think that involves working counts, getting on base, putting pressure on defenses with speed and athleticism. Uh, that's really what we're trying to get to. So, you know, I think Shannon asked earlier about targeting specific players, not specific players, but certainly specific skill sets, um, athletes, uh, people who control counts, who walk, who get on base, pitchers who throw strikes with physical stuff, uh, things that every team obviously wants. But if we're going to trade high-level major league players, that's the type of talent we're looking to acquire in return. Justin, I'm kind of intrigued by some of the coaching moves that you've made and some of the coaching that you want to do at the big league level. And you guys picked up a guy in the Rule 5 draft yesterday and I read a quote where it talked about the stuff and uh, somebody, it might have been you, it might have been Tom Allison, I don't think it was Jerry yet, uh, said that, you know, we identified our analytics guys and our biometrics guys identified some things with him. And uh, when you get a player now and you have a Brian DeLunis, how do you want to use him now in that new position? Brian's really going to affect um pitching at all uh, levels of our organization, uh, both in its coaching and in its acquisition. Um, it's a huge, huge uh, promotion for us and, uh, you know, an asset to the organization to have someone with Brian's background to be able to provide the biomechanical breakdown. Uh, we have Joel Furman, who's our, our manager of analytics upstairs, who specializes in pitching as well. And, and those two guys really collaborate well, uh, both on what the ball is doing when it comes out of his hand and how the body works to make the ball come out of the hand. Uh, and they're, they're very good together. They, they believe in the same things. Uh, they work really well together, and you merge their skill sets. And we really, we really hope we're building a, a nice little competitive advantage for us with what they bring to the table. Justin, I think with all the fun that, that you and Jerry and everybody has been having this winter, I, I started thinking about it looking at the abbreviated spring training, going to Japan, uh, things a little bit different. And what Scott Service is thinking about all these different people coming in, the bodies, the coaches, the players. Do you, uh, do you guys ever just call them and say, we did it again? <laughs> I, uh, I talked to him from the airport yesterday, and uh, 
he, had, he said something like, did we do anything yet today? Um, he's, he's actually really excited about where we're at. I think that, uh, you know, Scott loves to win. Um, and he felt like looking at the team, we could run the same team back out there and we're going to run ourselves into a wall. Um, you know, you take a small step back to take two big steps forward. Uh, and he, you know, his background in scouting and particular player development, he lives for this. He lives for development of young players at the big leagues. You know, he, he came through Texas as they were building themselves into a really a powerhouse in the AOS for a number of years. And this is exactly what they did. They made a couple of trades. They traded some, some all-star type players like Mark Teixeira for a lot of assets, gathered up assets. And then when it was time, they, they spent money. They added free agents. To their team, they, they really built a, a core of young players that came through the system and finished their group off with some high-level free agents like Adrian Beltre at the time. Uh, and it, he's excited for where we're going to go over the next 12 to 18 months. Visiting with uh, Justin Hollander, Mariners' assistant general manager. Uh, and uh, Justin, tell us a little bit about the kids coming over from the Yankees organization and that deal for James Paxton. You got their top uh, prospect in, in Justice Sheffield, a left-hander who spent a little time in the big leagues, and also the outfielder Don Thompson-Williams and Gerson Bautista and um, Eric Swanson. So let's start off real That's quick. Right. I know there's a lot of kids, but uh, tell us a bit about Justice Sheffield. Sure. Justice Sheffield, super athletic high school draft from Tennessee. Um, originally drafted by the Cleveland Indians, uh, traded from the Indians to the Yankees. Uh, Mid-'90s fastball, really good slider and changeup. Um, you know, has, has been a top prospect uh, through every level of, of minor league baseball that he's played at. You know, he's right on the cusp of being big league ready, whether it's opening day or, or shortly into the season. Um, he's, he's a real guy. He's, uh, you know, chance to be a, you know, number two top of the rotation type starter. Um, one of the, you know, 10 best pitching prospects in baseball when we acquired him. Um, Eric Swanson also came in, in, the, in the Paxton deal. Eric Swanson, uh, originally drafted by the Rangers, I believe, and then traded to the Yankees for Carlos Beltran uh, on a trade deadline deal. Um, again, a, a very good performer with real physical stuff, throws in the mid-90s, uh, good secondary stuff, and an incredible strike thrower. If you go back through his stat line, uh, he throws an ungodly amount of strikes, just pounds the strike zone with real stuff. He has some deception. Uh, he's a big-bodied uh, guy, hides the ball well. Um, and he's, he's also virtually big league ready. Um, chance to start in the big leagues every fifth day and take the ball, and we have him for six years of, of his major league time. And then the last player we got in the Yankees deal uh, was Dom Thompson-Williams. Uh, it was drafted from the University of South Carolina. Uh, very athletic, uh, strong, uh, looks the part outfielder. Um, you know, really had a rise-up season and, and A ball this year. Hit the ball much harder and hit it over the fence a lot. Uh, made some strides on controlling the strike zone, can play all three outfield spots. Um, we think he's made some small swing changes that have really unlocked his game power. Uh, he'll go to double A this year and play with Kyle Lewis and Evan White and some of our other prospects. So really good haul for us. Justin, uh, kind of heading into next year, it's obviously going to be a different year. What are the things that, you are going to be excited to watch with this team as the summer goes on. I think the progress every day, and that's what we've talked as a, as a front office group with the major league staff about is it, getting better every day, making sure that we're developing our young players that are at the big leagues already, as well as our prospects that are going to grow up together in the minor leagues. I think the, the, the wins and losses will happen. Uh, and I, I think we'll be better than some people think we're not, 
tearing it down to the studs as, as some think we are. Um, I think we'll be fine in the big leagues, but we're also going to be getting better as the season's going on. I think that's the most exciting part is to watch a group of young players that are going to come to the big leagues in Sheffield and Swanson. Uh, we'll watch our, our, our prospects in A, Evan White and, and Dom Thompson-Williams and Jake Fraley and Kyle Lewis, and then our, our, our young outfielders all throughout the system, uh, particularly with our, our – they're going to start out in low A, West Virginia, Jared Kel, uh, Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. We're building a really nice talent base right now uh, and just watching how it plays out with all, all those guys from the major leagues all the way down uh, to the lowest levels of the minor leagues. It, it, I think it's going to be really exciting for Mariners fans to, to watch them grow and get excited about seeing them in Safeco Field. Can you take us behind the scenes uh, briefly about what it takes to, number one, pull off all these deals and to take a look at so many young players from other organizations to get scouting reports to come up with a Jared Kelenek, a 19-year-old kid who had a very impressive first year uh, with the Mets organization, a Justin Dunn, a college kid who was at A-ball, I think, in double-A ball last year. Tell us, what is it like to to pull off trades like that and uh, to acquire a, a bunch of young players like you have over the past month? Sure. What goes uh, well, in, in Kelnick's case, we uh, – we thought he was the best player in the draft last year, and we did a ton of work, including bringing him out to Seattle two days before the draft uh, last year in the hopes that somehow he might flip down to us uh, and we'd have a chance to select him. Uh, so that was an easy one for us. We'd spent a ton of time on him, and then obviously when we didn't get him, we followed his debut. Uh, we, just, we knew a lot about him from uh, his, obviously, his performance, but we scouted him a ton as an amateur. He went through our cognitive uh, and physical testing before the draft. Uh, Justin Dunn was in consideration for our first-round pick in 2016, so again, another player we've done a ton of work on. Um, generally speaking, though, uh, we sat down as a group, I believe sometime in early October, we brought our, our leadership scouting group into the stadium, our analytics group, our biomechanical people all in, and we sat in a conference room for three days and went through the prospects of the teams we expected to be buyers in, the, uh, in this market this winter um, and really broke down the players. We had video up on the screen. Uh, and that was obviously evolved over the course of the winter, not just those three days. Uh, but we were prepared. Uh, this might be a possibility and really spent a ton of time with our, our, our leadership group, our analytics group, um, our scouting group, just going through what would be a fit for each of our players. And I would say all, like all the players that we targeted as is, is key pieces in this deal were players we discussed heavily in those meetings. Well, Justin, I tell you what, it's the holiday season. You and Jerry have been doing a lot of shopping, and uh, we see a lot of people here at the mall getting ready. But uh, I tell you what, you guys have been very busy and you've uh, put together a group of a lot of talented young players. And I know it, you're far from finished. It's going to be exciting at spring training this year. We just want to say thanks for joining us tonight here in our first edition of Hot Stove. Oh, thanks so, for having me. I'm glad to fill in for Jerry. And uh, hopefully you'll have him on next time. <laughs> you all, we will. Tell him well, we said hello and have a speedy recovery, okay? Thanks, guys. Have a happy holidays if I don't talk to okay. you before then. All right, Justin. Happy holidays. Uh, we are live from uh, the Bellevue Square for the Mariners Team Store. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer, Mike Blowers, and Gary Hill. We're getting ready for the second hour coming up. We're going to visit with Kirk Demeter. who's going to talk about the Mariners' trip to Japan uh, coming up on March 20th and 21st. We're going to open up the season against the Oakland A's. We're going to be over there for nine days. And Gary Hill has a very special piece on Edgar Martinez and his bid for the Hall of Fame on his final year on the ballot. And Shannon has a visit with uh, Andy McKay. Second hour of uh, Hot Stove coming your way from Bellevue Square right after this timeout. 710 ESPN Seattle. 
This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. All right, I'm liking the music. Hi, everybody. It's the holiday season. We are live from the Mariners Team Store here in Bellevue Square. Rick Riz along with Mike Blowers, Shannon Dreyer, and Gary Hill. Say, friends, give the gift of Mariners baseball this holiday season. Single-game tickets are on sale right now, which means you can purchase seats to some of the biggest games of 2019, including opening night against the World Series champion Boston Red Sox Series against the Cubs as well, Cardinals and Yankees, plus six, six fireworks nights, and they are fantastic, a lot of fun. Stop by Mariners.com today. And um, I'll tell you what, we have a winner in our um, trivia contest tonight. In the first hour, the question was, who had the 10th best on-base percentage in the American League last year? And the answer was, he was our guest in the first hour of the show, Malik Smith. He had the 10th best on-base percentage. And Mickey, Mickey from Seattle, that's all we got. It's it's Mickey from Seattle is our winner. He wins an authentic collection on-field knit. So congratulations to Mickey. He knew the answer, and we also gave the answer on the radio as well. So uh, we gave him a good tip. Well, Mike, I tell you what, uh, we had a chance to visit with uh, Justin Hollander mm-hmm. and uh, all the trades and everything. So a lot of young players are going to get an opportunity to play. Veteran guys are still on this ball club. You were one of those guys with the Oakland Athletics a number of years ago when the A's went through a transition. A lot of young players came up, Eric Chavez and uh, Miguel Tejada, A.J. Hinch, Ben Grieve. You were the veteran of that ball club. Tell me what the veteran guys are looking forward to this year, working with these young players joining the organization right now. Yeah, it would be interesting because the way the winter is going, we're not sure who those veteran guys are going to be at this point. <laughs> Although Justin did question. mention them trying to get a veteran shortstop and an to outfielder. To help out J.P. Crump. Yeah, and an outfielder too. Um, I, I think that if you're a veteran on this club and you're going into spring training, I, I think that you understand that there's going to be a lot of young people getting opportunities, and you know that going in. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that Jerry and Scott um, and the entire staff will really pay attention to, and they're really good at, by the way, uh, especially with Scott, the way that he has his clubhouse. And I think that you're going to have guys that know what their roles are going to be and what is expected of them, and that's part of the reason why they're going to be here as far as the veterans go. And I know for myself when I signed with Oakland, um, Billy Bean was straight forward up front with here me. Here it is. Here's your job. Here, well, it was, it was, we need you to play. Eventually we're going to have some guys come up here. Um, to learn how to play at this level. Um, and eventually, um, as a veteran guy, the one thing that you have to be aware of is that eventually you're going to lose your job, mm-hmm. um, which happened to me in August, and a pretty good player in Eric Chavez came up. Um, but I knew that. You knew that. I knew that. Um, and, and, and I knew at that point where I was at in, in my playing career that that was okay, and I think those are the type of players that you're going to see, along with um, some guys that will probably be in the lineup every day that, you know, I've still been around. There's still some of those guys on this team, but we'll have to wait and see what that looks like um, in February. And, Shannon, you're going to see some guys with some experience coming over here that are going to be new, and they have to fit into the organization as well. Omar Nevaez, uh, the catcher coming over from the Chicago White Sox and that deal for Alex Colomay. So, you know, you, you got guys, Jay Bruce, who's been around a long time, very, very successful a couple of years ago, had a, had a big year. Yeah, and, and one of the things you hear about Jay Bruce is he is one of those veteran leader types on top of everything else. And we spoke to him after the trade, and he's got a lot to prove after a, a tough year in New York. And a lot of that was injuries, but that right. left a bad taste in his mouth. So he wants to come over. He's raring to go, and uh, he understands 
what the situation is. Uh, Navarro, he's going to have his hands full. And, oh, yeah. You know, Learning the whole be, pitching staff. Uh, yeah, and the pitching staff's going to have to learn him uh, as well. Right. So, uh, And they're not going to have a lot of time to do it with the shortened spring training on top of everything else. So there are going to be challenges on these guys' plates. But you know, you know Scott Service is a communicator. He's uh, He doesn't sit back and wait for everybody to show up in spring training. These conversations have already started or will be starting very soon. I thought one of the interesting things that I saw over this past week watching the winter meetings uh, that was in Vegas and um, listening to people talk about it, um, and I believe it was even Dave Dombrowski mentioned it, the possibility of maybe – making those meetings later, like in January, to where maybe you see more going on. And Justin was talking about it earlier with the bullpen. I was surprised when you see how important bullpens are right now and how many free agents are out there, and really nothing was getting done with those guys. You're just waiting around to see what's going to happen with it. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that, you know, to me, I think it would be an advantage to the clubs to give them that time, that little bit extra time, and get them into the, the new year to have the meetings at that point because then they're all together. And that's all a deadline, too, to make a trade. Yeah, it's hard, too, with free agency specifically because a lot of times you're waiting on the market for one guy. Right, exactly. In terms of relievers, Kimbrell, everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens with Kimbrell, and if nothing happens, everyone else is just kind of waiting around. Trades can be dependent, <clears throat> excuse me, dependent, too. It's good to see Jerry get going and not waiting if you're right. going to try and rebuild an entire or take a step back or have the turnover and bring in the players that you are, you don't want to be doing that in January. So it's a tough thing. But in winter meetings, the tone is totally different now it's than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. A lot gets done in the GM meetings. Everybody can communicate all the time. Yeah. So it's different. Yeah, I think people wait for the free agents to get signed, and that's Jerry's the way that he does business. He gets there early. And, and last year he made the trade early with uh, Tampa Bay to acquire, you know, Coleman and also Denard Spann. That, that trade happened in May. We're going to be uh, continuing here with Hot Stove from uh, the Mariners team store here at Bellevue Square. We're going to visit with Kirk Demeter. He's going to talk about our second trip to Japan to open up the 2019 season. We're going to go over, over there for a few days, a few exhibition games, and then open up the season on March 20th and 21st against the Oakland A's. So stay tuned. Back with Kirk Demeter on Hot Stove right after this timeout. Well, fans, be sure to be on hand for all the action of the 2019 Mariners season by becoming a season ticket holder today. Whether you're looking to spend quality time with your family and friends or have more face time with your employees and clients, make the ballpark your Northwest summer home with packages starting at just 10 games. Visit Mariners.com slash 19 for more information. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer, Gary Hill alongside uh, Kirk Demeter from Asia Answers. And uh, Kirk, you, you have to be a busy guy right now. It is the holiday season, and if anybody is looking for a great Christmas gift, a holiday gift, how about a trip to Japan to see the Mariners open up the 2019 season at the Tokyo Dome on March 20th and 21st, taking on the Oakland A's. Kirk, welcome to Hot Stove here at the uh, Bellevue uh, Mariners team store. Uh, tell us a little bit about the trip to Japan and how can people find out more information and go watch the Mariners open up next season. Well, that would be a pretty phenomenal Christmas present, yeah. that's for sure. Um, the the trip, we're actually um, the part, partnering with the Mariners on this deal. So we've put together a package that includes five nights in Tokyo, round-trip airfare from Seattle, and uh, game tickets in the premium level, as well as a tour, some other optional things, a, a nice dinner with some Mariner VIPs. Um, and it's all put together just for the fans to enjoy seeing baseball in Tokyo, it's, which is an absolutely phenomenal experience. That dinner that Major League Baseball put on last year, you or excuse me, six years ago, and you were there? I uh, was there. They had a tuna 
the, the size of a bus, and uh, they, they carved up that thing as sashimi-grade tuna, tuna, and ah, it just melted in your mouth. It was, uh, and I think if you go to the fish market in Tokyo, they sell these things for like $100,000, right? It's ridiculous. It, it's amazing how much they can get. Yeah. Um, because they weigh hundreds of pounds. Yeah. They've actually, um, that was the famous fish market that has just moved to a new location. So Mariner fans who want to experience fish market could do so at a new location that yeah. just opened a few months ago. I think you had to get up at 5 in the morning to get to the fish market to see the, the bidding for those, those tuna, Shannon. I didn't quite make it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little too early. But what really struck me is when you look at Japan, uh, it's, it's a strange time of year to be going. But we got there, and it almost felt like Seattle. Well, it's yeah. it's a very maritime kind of a uh, country with a seafood and uh, um, tremendously friendly people mm -hmm. that you get in Seattle as well. Uh, baseball mad, as mm -hmm. you obviously found out from that trip. Um, it's just a it's a fantastic place to visit, and it's a real bonus. It's um, blossom season. You know, we always say cherry blossoms, but the Japanese will say blossom season because that's not all that will be blooming. Mm. And this trip falls right in line with the projected dates of the blossoms. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we had, we had such a great time. We played the two exhibition games against the Hanshin Tigers and the Yamayuri Giants in the open up against the A's uh, six years ago. What, what did you discover about Japan that maybe you didn't know uh, on that last trip over there? Well, certainly their passion for baseball yes. that you could see. So in addition to the two Mariner games that they played against Oakland, I also took in a, a local game, Yomiuri uh, versus the Yakult Swallows, who had an ex-Mariner on the team at the time. Yeah. Um, the fans were absolutely nuts. They had flags. They had um, cheers going out through the, they the whole They stand up the time. whole game. So they do, and, they, yeah. and, and it's, it's noisy throughout in a, in a really good way. It's, it's a phenomenal trip. Um, I also remember just the way that fans were excited about having me there, you know, a, a foreigner taking in their game. Um, I had a, a gentleman actually scoot out of the way to try to scoot me into a more premium seat than the one I was sitting in because he wanted me to have a better view. Um, yeah. it, was, it was quite phenomenal sharing the, the snacks they have in the stands, which they're probably about as appetizing different. as those. <laughs> 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 they didn't have any garlic had, fries, but, did they? Uh, <laughs> no, but they did have a lot, dried, of, octopus a lot of dried squid. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you talk about the fans there. I mean, one of my big memories was Tom Wilhelmsen, who retired this week. I don't yeah. know if you heard that, Rick, but uh, oh, he. he Pitched his exhibition game and stuck around for the next one. Went to the stands or went to the souvenir shop, bought a bunch. I think it was Yamayuri gear and, and went and sat in their cheering section for it. It's just <laughs> he wanted to take it all, it all it? in, yeah. and uh, it, it's just such a different experience. Yeah. What what, uh, what else are the must must dos during well, this trip? Well, we've built a, a couple of different options because we know that people want to see more of just than just Tokyo. So Kyoto, which is a very popular um, trip to do, and it's, you can just take a bullet train, which you know, they travel in the 200, 250 mile per hour range, and you can take it to this very beautiful place. So we've put that in as an option. We have a early bird special too, that if you book, it, it's supposed to be over tomorrow, but since we're just having the show tonight, we'll extend it for a couple of weeks. Um, you can get a free stop over in Taipei, so you can enjoy two Asian countries without paying anything additional. So that would, be, would add a two night stay to the base package by fl flying over to Taipei and then back to Seattle nonstop. We're visiting with Kirk Demeter from Asia Answers, putting together a great trip to see the Mariners open up the 2019 season in Tokyo against the Oakland A's. You've been over there before, as we mentioned. What, what does it take to put on a, a trip like this? It's got to be a, a lot of work and a lot of phone calls and emails and being over there and, 
and work in the contacts in order to make it uh, a great trip for hopefully hundreds of people. Yeah, and, and that's the, the real key is that have somebody else you know, put that together for you so that you can just go there and really enjoy the, the game. We can alter the trips that we've put together, the base packages as we call them, so that if you wanted to see, you know, fly to Hong Kong or see something else while you're there, that can easily be arranged. Yeah. But the base, what we want to do is make sure that you're in Tokyo, you're enjoying the activities of the game, you're getting to see the, the, both baseball games with premium seating, and as well if you want to take in the exhibition games that, um, that proceed, we can have you fly in early and take in those as well. We can adjust A lot of trips. options. There are a lot of options, and, it, and it's a really easy destination from the Seattle market. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nonstop flight. You can connect if you want and take in another country. So we put it together um, in any manner of different ways. But the base package is nonstop flights over to Tokyo, five nights, two games, tours, special events, and just yeah. a, a really great time. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, and information can be found at mariners.com slash Japan. Right. And that will also give you a link to, back to our site that, where you can get the real in-depth day-to-day itinerary. And also, we're just really a phone call away, so you can, you can reach us at any time as well. Tell us that number. That number is 800-875-2999. Eight hundred eight seven five two nine nine nine, and they'll call you. No, they won't call you. But <laughs> no, you can they, book the trip. To Japan. Yeah, they'll get one of our expert staff. And just as a little bit of a competition, we're also handling the travel for the Oakland A's. So it'll be really interesting to see if we get more A's fans, or in my prediction, more Seattle Mariners fans. We're going to get more Seattle fans. You know why? Ichiro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a long talk with Ichiro at the end of the year last year, and, and at the time he became an advisor, and he said, Rick, he says, I'm not retired. He said, uh, I'm not done yet. So it's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Ichiro, because when we went there in uh, 2012, oh my goodness, it was just it just amazing, you know, the reaction. Well, I, I never took off my Ichiro jersey the whole time I was there, and I yeah. had so many people coming up and shaking my hand, or I even had people wanting to come take pictures because they just thought it was sort of yeah. cool that, you know, you got this guy coming over from another country wearing the Ichiro exactly. jersey. So. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going over there in March, and Kirk, we want to thank you for stopping by here, by stopping by the uh, Mariners Team Store here at the Bellevue Square Mall. And uh, I tell you what, I think a lot of people are going to, uh, check in with a website and call that number, 800-875-2999, to see us open up the season at the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. Kirk, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, Rick. Kirk Demeter from uh, Asia Answers. We're going to be back with more. Gary Hill has put together an outstanding piece on the future Hall of Famer, Edgar Martinez, as Hot Stove continues live from uh, the Mariners Team Store at Bellevue Square after this. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. And John Wetland one more time set, and here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez now, and the fastball swung on and hit the deep center field. Bernie Williams goes back, and it is. Get out the right bread and the mustard this time, Grandma. It is a great. He's a 300, 400, 500 guy for his career. There are like 18 of those guys in history. 
then when you take those specific numbers and try to find people that have a higher average, higher on base, and a higher slugging than him, there are like seven guys in Major League history that have better numbers than him. And I covered baseball significantly at the time of his prime. And, Mike, you know this. Mm-hmm. When you ask people, like, who are the best hitters in the American League? And Edgar Martinez's name always came up. The numbers are there. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm happy that at least he's going to get his number retired. The wind of the pitch on the way to Edgar Martinez. Fastball belted deep to left center field, and that will fly, fly away. That's over the aisle way, way in deep left center field. That's over 420 feet, I'll guarantee you. What a bolt by Edgar Martinez. I have never seen him this high. To me, one of the greatest right-handed hitters ever lived. Ever. Just an incredible hitter. You know, a, a guy, who had such great balance, knew the strike zone so well. You know, he, he really did. That's why his on-base was so great. But great breaking ball hitter, stayed back. The guys that play, that were playing then, know how great he is. They do, the players. And the 2-1 pitch on the way to Edgar now. Swung on, pulled on the third baseline, fair into the corner. So here comes Coleman. Junior on his way to third. He's to third. The carry by Paquette. Junior will pull up at third base. Edgar at second with his 50th double of the year. Edgar. The greatest right-handed hitter I've ever played with. Absolutely hated seeing him coming up against the Rangers. He was the guy in that lineup, probably even more than Junior, who who you feared in a big situation. And that was before a lot of guys, right-handed batters, hit the ball a lot to the opposite field. I would say that until Miguel Cabrera came along, Edgar was the single best opposite field right-handed hitter I had ever seen. He still might be. Edgar winning his second American League batting championship this year with a 3.56 average. He was fourth in the league in RBIs with 113 runners their leads. The 0-1 pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball. Down the left field line and deep. Mexico! Edgar is going to be in Cooperstown uh, not too long from now. I used to love to watch that man hit. Don't tell me what a guy hits. Tell me when he hit it. I want to know how was he in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Edgar was the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning hitter. One of the best I have ever seen. And uh, I am so happy for him because he was. I look at players, were they an asset or were they a liability? We all know what he was. He was an asset to the game of baseball. A great gentleman, and I'm just so happy for him. I have a little project. It's a light bat. Oh, my goodness. He was so fabulous against the Yanks. He was the toughest batter 
for Mariano to get out. I can't decide who is the best right hand hitter I've ever seen Edgar Martinez or Manny Ramirez. <laughs> they both killed the Yankees killed them. So uh, my and he's a, such a nice gentle man. And um, so I'm a big Edgar Martinez fan and yes he should be in the Hall of Fame and the count of ball and a strike on Edgar Martinez. And now Anderson has sent the pitch to Edgar swung on line drive base hit right center field. He's unbelievable. He is muchísimo caliente. Edgar Martinez. To me, he should be Hall of Famer. He should be inducted in the Hall of Fame a while ago. It, it will happen regardless. I, I I hope so. And it made me proud, you know, just the fact that uh, they kind of uh, uh, compare my name to uh, um, an amazing. Uh, uh, player like like Edgar used to be. Pitch swung on and a high fly ball belted right down the line and that will fly away. Edgar Martinez has just hit a two-run home run to give the Mariners a six-to-two lead. You know when Edgar came to the plate, I said, "Oh my goodness, this is this is not the guy that I want to see at the plate in this situation." I know he's going to hit the ball hard somewhere. I knew it. And the old one pitch on the way to Edgar Martinez. Swung on the line down the left field line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. Because of your record on this night, the designated hitter award for the American League will be forever be named the Edgar Martinez Award. Congratulations. Listen to this standing ovation as Edgar is announced perhaps for the last time in an 18-year excellent career. An 18-year soon-to-be-determined Hall of Fame career. Definitely Mariner Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, perhaps. Edgar has passed our way for the last time. And listen. What a fantastic tribute to a fantastic man. What an amazing piece put together by Gary Hill over here on uh, one of the greatest players to ever put on a Mariners uniform. He's going in the Hall of Fame. I knew he was a Hall of Famer at the end of his career, during the course of his career. The last game there in 2004, guys and ladies, uh, I couldn't take my eyes off that number 11. I watched him go into the dugout and disappear. And uh, you just knew that we saw something very special for 18 years, all with one organization. You heard Junior's speech. You heard Dave Niehaus's play-by-play. Uh, you heard from Dennis Eckersley in that piece, Eric Nadell, the announcer for the uh, Texas Rangers, John Sterling of the Yankees, talking about what he did against Mariano Rivera. Edgar hit 600, 600 against Rivera. Everybody else hit about a buck 20. Hawk Harrelson, David Ortiz, Tony Fernandez, Bud Sela all chimed in about Edgar Martinez going to the Hall of Fame. And in my mind, there's no doubt about it, the 300, the 400, the 500, Mike, Shannon, and Gary. And I can't wait till the announcement comes up that he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he definitely should be there. He should be there already as far as exactly. I'm concerned. And, you know, it's one of those things when you, when you talk about somebody like Edgar, and for me getting a chance to watch him on a daily basis and just the way that he prepared 
every day. He's the first guy I ever see actually yeah. weigh his bats to make sure they were on the money, 31 <laughs> ounces. Seen him do that. The, the eye exercise he did because he had a little stigma in his eye that he had to take care of, the way that he worked out um, on a daily basis, the way that he studied and was prepared. Um, I heard a number of guys talk about him hitting the ball the other way. He certainly did that as well as anybody. With two guys over there. Yeah, but, I, I, you know, the, the telltale for me, it's, I'll never forget, and I can't remember what year it was during the All-Star game, but he, they were in Cleveland, and Greg Maddox was on the mound, who could really throw a two-seamer and run it in on a right-hander's hands. And I think that the telltale is it's one thing to hit the ball the other way, but have the ability to pull the ball and keep it fair yeah. is special. And he, he stayed inside of a ball that was in off the plate and hit it out of the ballpark in the All-Star game off of Greg Maddox. And I rewound that swing, I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> wondering how he was able to do that. He's yeah. just a great player. He should be there. And um, I was really happy um, a few spring trainings ago was Tim Kirchner. We also heard in there when he talked yeah. about the 300, 400, 500, and I was sitting there. And I never thought about it, never knew it. Um, when you start to talk about what a small list of people that is, let's get him in the Hall of Fame, please. Exactly. Why? Because he deserves to be there. You bet. He does. And the one thing, I mean, it's terrible that he's not there now, but, man, everybody knows who he is now in the game if they didn't. And they didn't because of the National League for, for a big part of it. But the discussion that has been going on about Edgar, particularly in the last three years, and, and the conversations people have had, and the numbers, I mean, his whole career is there. People now see it and, and yeah. will remember it. I, I think that he is much, for as long as it's taken to get him there, he is much better known. His career is much better known than it had he gotten in right away. Yeah. Gary, I, I think, you know, the thing I think about is, is you hear all of these guys, a lot of them Hall of Famers themselves, and they yeah. talk about great hitters, and you start checking the box. Unfortunately for Edgar, it took him a little bit longer to get to the big leagues, right. no fault of his own, right. as he was winning batting titles in, Calgary, in AAA at Calgary. But he had to wait his turn, and that cost him years. And I think so when you look at, you know, the total amount of numbers, yeah. you know, you, people kind of look at that. But I think with the way that everybody looks at numbers in today's game, he's checking all the boxes. Yeah, and speaking of checking the boxes, when you listen to a piece like that, I included a lot of those voices for a reason because you have the numbers guys, Tim Kirchin, people like that, you know, the, the slash numbers are out of control. Then you have the guys like Hawk, who is about as far from a numbers <laughs> guy as possible, but they all see the same thing. They all see a Hall of Fame player, and he is a Hall of Fame player. He doesn't have so, you know, 3,000 hits, some of those counting numbers because of the late start. But what he did for over a decade, I mean, dominant for over a decade, I think he should have won the MVP in 95. You wonder how that would have uh, helped his case along the way as well. But he was a great, great hitter. And I often wonder how much more he would be appreciated playing in this era right now as opposed oh, to then where yeah. he's a little under the radar. Well, and I think, I think, you know, the last thing for me, too, is, is if you go through it, and, and, Ricky, you've talked about the decade, you know, where you're a dominant player in a decade. Yeah. Um, and, and you think about Gar and how many managers through that course of the 10 years, when you get to the end of the game, are standing there wondering, okay, do, I, I, really, I, have to, I have to walk the best player in junior but I really don't want to deal with this guy over here. And you know what? There were many times over the course of those years where managers would pitch to Junior. junior. He'd hit a three-run homer, and the game was over, and it was because Edgar was standing on deck. I firmly believe that. They did not want to deal with him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Edgar Martinez, the beauty of him, the double. He struck out on a forkball by Jack McDowell in the ninth inning. He got that forkball in the 11th inning, hit the double down the left field line, biggest hit in the history of the franchise, greatest call by Dave Niehaus. Absolutely unbelievable. And uh, I can't wait till we... Uh, find out more about uh, Edgar's induction in the Hall of Fame coming up. All right, we'll be back with more. We are live from uh, the Mariners team store here in Bellevue Square right after this timeout. 
And again, welcome back to our first edition of Hot Stove Live from the Mariners Team Store here at Bellevue Square. This reminder, this holiday season, stop by the Mariners Team Stores for the largest selection of exclusive Mariners apparel and game-used memorabilia with five convenient locations, including the flagship store at the ballpark, downtown Seattle, 4th and Stewart, right here at Bellevue Square, Alderwood Mall and Westfield South Center. You're sure to find something for everyone on your list. Great piece put together by Gary Hill on uh, Edgar's chances of getting the Hall of Fame. Join Edgar Martinez in Cooperstown this summer on the Mariners RBI Club Hall of Fame road trip. Sign up today for a memorable weekend, July 18th through the 22nd. That includes transportation, lodging, tickets to the ceremony, and more. For details, go to edgarroadtrip.com and reserve your place in Mariners history. That has got to happen as far as I'm concerned because he deserves to be, and I love who doesn't love Edgar Martinez, huh? It's Hockey. ridiculous we even have to put up a case for this exactly. at this point. But We've yes. tried so hard. Well, Finally, got Tracy Ringlesby to vote for him a couple of years job. ago. Good Remember? work. I'm not going to have to go kick him training. in the shins next time. And we'll you see. had to kick a couple of guys I in the did, shins, did, and it worked. It helped. But that's what we do. That's I what had, it takes. It's what it takes. Mm-hmm. He's going to get there. He's, he'll be fine. But this is it. He'll this is the there. last offseason we're Poppy, doing you're this. you're going. We're going to be there. Rick, I, I had an interesting conversation this week with all of the young players, and I, I'm starting to really get excited about the prospects and looking at that top ten list and seeing Love the it, new yeah. acquisitions and, mm-hmm. and the, the knowledge that they're going to keep adding to it. And you know, Andy McKay, the director of player development, has been putting together some really neat programs, not just for what the Mariners minor leaguers are doing during the season, but in the off season as well. And last week on Twitter, all of a sudden these tweets started popping up, and they were different uh, players like Kyle Lewis, Braden Bishop, Julio Rodriguez, uh, getting in airplanes, flying to Seattle, or in a Uber or a cab in downtown Seattle. And people are like, what's going on? What's going on? Turns out they were having a leadership conference for these players in Seattle at Safeco Field. I had the opportunity last week to sit down with Andy, talk about that, and a bunch of the other off-season programs they have to develop and to further develop the Young Mariners. Really, the genesis of this program goes back to, um, it was something I had planned for the Colorado Rockies and and at the end before I I took this job, and it was something that I I felt really strongly about, and I had begun that process there. Um, and then when I came and took this job, it was it's just something that I've continued to, to realize that leadership at the major league level is, is it's an X factor, and leadership can be developed, and that if we allow these prospects to develop their baseball skills and get to our major league clubhouse and they haven't at least been exposed to the idea of leading and given some some uh, foundational tools as to how to do it, then shame on us, and we should never complain about a lack of leadership if we're not doing our part to try to prepare people to lead and actually teach them how to do it and, and what it means. So uh, we got to it this year, and by uh, roughly August 1st, this plan was in place uh, that we would do this, and... Um, and then the nuts and bolts of the actual event began to take shape when I uh, ran into Kevin Eastman. Kevin Eastman is a uh, longtime NBA coach, uh, college basketball coach, and I'd been a fan of his for years. Um, he was part of the Celtics team when they won a championship. And then I, ha- I heard a, a, an off-the-cuff comment uh, someone made, and they said, you know, there's only so many Kevin Eastmans in the world, meaning this guy's really good at what he does. And so... I literally reached out to Kevin via Twitter 
Nice. He responded immediately. <laughs> and we struck up a friendship, and I told him what I wanted to do. And I said, hey, we're going to bring in minor league players, which, you know, NBA doesn't really have a minor league system. They're their G League, but it's very different. And, you know, just explained what I was looking for. And I said, do you have something to offer? He said, absolutely. And I, you know, I started doing the research in the background. And he actually had to, when he left the NBA, he started a, a business where he was teaching leadership to athletes. So we had him in for the first day. He kind of ran the first day and ran the, the club through those uh, through his curriculum. And then day two, we, we kind of took the, the curriculum and, okay, how are we going to bring this to life in West Virginia? How are we going to bring it to life in Peoria? How are we going to bring it to life in the Dominican Republic through the lens of the players? Mm-hmm. So that part was great. How many players were here? And you said they came from everywhere, it sounded like? Correct. And uh, I've, I've seen some things in the media and... Uh, I guess I'd want to correct a little bit of a misnomer. It wasn't our top 20 prospects. Mm -hmm. It was 20 players that I feel as we sit here today are going to be scattered kind of equally throughout our system. And so there are players in that room that will be at every affiliate um, on April 1st. Mm -hmm. So that's really how it came about. And, And then obviously with a flurry of trades right up before then, it was kind of too late to incorporate any of the the newly acquired players. Mm. And what did these days look like for these guys? So uh, the first day we came in at 9. We came in at 8. I I keep backing up. Uh, They they all lifted at 6 in the weight room at Safeco. I went back to Silver Cloud, showered, got cleaned up. Uh, We had breakfast for them at 8. And then at 9, the presentation started with, with Kevin Eastman. And, and Kevin has a tremendous body of knowledge from his time coaching in the NBA. And so when he's able to discuss his time of, of, of coaching a Kevin Garnett and Kevin Garnett's leadership style as opposed to a, a Kobe Bryant's leadership style, as opposed to a LeBron James leadership style, you know, to a Doc Rivers leadership style, to a Brad Stevens leadership style, uh, he's giving key names that our players can resonate with. So... We worked through about a three-hour presentation by Kevin, took a break for lunch, and then came back and uh, finished it up with another long afternoon. That was really a almost like a, a, a lecture setting of um, Kevin working off of a PowerPoint. Uh, our, our players took really good notes, and um, then we had a team dinner that night. Jerry DePoto and, and myself went out to dinner with, with uh, Kevin Eastman and um, again, just another great learning opportunity of somebody who has who's won a championship uh, mm-hmm. at the professional at the highest level, and, and we talked a lot about you know chemistry and leadership and clubhouse culture and communication, and, and then we came back the second day. I kind of took the lead, and we we worked through a lot of what we'd learned the day before, and then we put our kids into some smaller groups. We did some role playing. We took what Kevin had presented and we tried to equate it to the very predictable challenges that happen over 162 games in a professional baseball season. And and you know the issues that are going to come because they come every single year. Mm-hmm. You know that you've got language barriers to deal with. Mm-hmm. Every team deals with it. You've got cultural barriers to deal with. You've got, in any clubhouse, you've got the aging veteran who's desperately trying to hold on you know, and then you've got the rookie in his second day in the big leagues. And you've got people that are upset about a contract. You've got people that are upset about playing time. Um, you have people that aren't playing well for the first time in their lives. 
Uh, you have people go, that are going through off-the-field habits. You have people that are complacent. So all of these things are there is predictable, and you've done this for a long time. You, you've seen these issues in every clubhouse you've recovered over the course of 162 games. Mm-hmm. So if we know that they're coming, let's prepare for them, and let's talk about how we're going to handle so many of these predictable things when they occur. We're going to lose five games in a row at some point. Some people are going to get angry. Some people are going to panic. Somebody's probably going to go down to Tacoma. How are we going to handle the big losing, the first losing streak of the season? Mm-hmm. You know, and additionally, how are we going to handle the winning streak? Because that's a tough one to handle too. Um, and it was really interesting when you go around the room. Dan Wilson participated, which anytime you can have Dan Wilson in a room, you know that the room has gotten better. Yeah. And you know, Dan's 13 years in the big leagues. You know. Every time we bring up one of these issues, he'd raise his hand and said, yeah, that happens every year, happens every year, <laughs> happens every year. Mm-hmm. So it was really productive, and it, it it didn't solve any problems. It was the beginning of a conversation that hopefully this conversation keeps going. Um, and, you know, when you see Kyle Lewis, you know, frantically taking notes and understanding, because we put it very clearly to them, you know, leadership is hard. Leading in a major league clubhouse is really hard. Mm-hmm. But the consequence of not trying is is dysfunction and losing, plain and simple. So you're looking, I mean, a lot of people, you'll get, oh, he's the quiet leader. I mean, if they, they are equipped to be the example, but you're looking for a little bit more, too, it would sound like, where possible. We are, and, uh, you know, one of the great uh, stories out of the camp was a, a story of, of Kevin Durant. I might misphrase this a little bit, but I, I'll get the context right. Mm-hmm. Which we said to me when I was younger, I wanted to outwork everybody. As I grew into a leader in the NBA, I wanted our team to outwork anybody. And I wasn't I didn't want to be the guy that stayed after practice by myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the guy that stayed after practice and then three or four guys joined me for more work. And that be, kind of became a, a core concept that it's not really leadership until it influences somebody's behavior to change. It's not really leadership unless somebody's following it. So the example is is important. No one's going to follow a poor example. Mm-hmm. But the example by itself is not enough. And and that's where we really got to when we you know, we developed, you know, really kind of together the four key steps of what we're trying to do, which is number 1, you have to set the example. Number 2, you have to build a relationship. People aren't going to follow people that they don't know and they don't trust and they don't think care about them. And then three, where we spent the majority of our time, was you have to be able to have courageous conversations. You have to be able to sit with somebody when when you don't want to have the conversation, you don't want to initiate it, your heart's pounding through your chest. You have to do it. And we have to deal with truth, and we have to be able to talk to people, um, not in emotional um, ways, but in evidence-based information of this is what's happening, this is the truth, and we, we have to do better than this. And teammates need to be able to do that with each other. Teammates that aren't making as much money as the next guy. You know, and, and tearing down those barriers of, okay, so I've only got a year of big league time, can I really talk to somebody with six years of big league time? The answer is yes. Mm. There's no rule that says, you know, you can only talk to somebody who's been here less. It, that, that rule doesn't exist. Sounds like a great program that we all can use at yeah. some point. And not the only thing that you've done. Uh, it, it seems like it's it's been constant activity in Peoria ever since the season ended. What are some of the programs that have been going on down there? We have our traditional instructional league program in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. That is, it's, it's not just 
are Latino players. We have American players. We have American coaches there. And that program is very traditional baseball skill-based. More ground balls, more hitting, more pitching, more games. Peoria, we have our high-performance camp, which is, you know, literally some of them didn't touch a baseball, which is based on health, strength, athleticism, mental skills, community service. So while one is really baseball skill-based, the other one is more uh, body, mind, soul, spirit-based. And some people did a little bit of both. Uh, then we had a swing camp, uh, which was uh, some hand-picked players that we thought we could make some very specific changes to their uh, physical swing, uh, and, and mostly with the idea of helping them elevate the baseball and get the ball in the air more. And then we had our gas camp, uh, GAS, which was literally about a group of hand-picked minor league pitchers who we thought had secondary pitches mm-hmm. in place, had command in place, and we need to add velocity. So we you know, kind of took them through that program. Additionally, uh, most all of our uh, coaches in player development have attended multiple conferences of uh, coaching clinics, uh, skill acquisition clinics, pitching clinics, hitting clinics, etc. It has not been much, much of an offseason. It's been very active. It's been, it's been really good. Shannon Dreyer with uh, Andy McKay. And I tell you what, he brought up a lot of good points right there, Shannon. Great interview because I love hearing that because – we see guys put on a major league uniform and go out and play. There's so much more before they even put on the uniform to get ready for a game, to get ready for a season, to get ready for spring training, to come together as a team, to build themselves to be the best player that they can be and have an effect on their teammates. And these are all wonderful things. Setting an example, building a relationship with the guys in that clubhouse before you even take the field, the practice field of spring training. And what I, I really liked what he said about courageous conversation, telling the truth. Jay Buhner in the Mariners clubhouse told you the truth he went up to a number of players said this is not the way we do things around here this is the way we play the game of baseball and when you hear things like that that happened long before a guy puts on his spikes pulls on his socks puts on his uniform those are all great things to hear yeah we don't have time to get to it tonight so a teaser he left out game calling university game calling we'll listen to that as well that wraps up our first hot stove show live from the mariners team store here at bellevue square for mike blowers and shannon dreyer and gary hill i'm rick riz happy holidays everybody and merry christmas it's blazing hot outside you get in your car to turn on the ac to get cold air pumping but it blows hot air out this issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the ac system you want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time ac pro recharge kits Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.